you would please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We are looking at verses 5 through 10. If you would please follow in the reading of the word of God. On behalf of such a man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regard to my weakness. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I'll be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that he might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses and insults and distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, help us to understand your use of suffering in our lives. Your use of suffering in the world we exist in. And yet it is to your glory and to your praise. Father, help us. Help us to understand what is happening in our world. Let us not be discouraged, Father. Let us look at it with joy in our hearts to say, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is still on his throne. Thank you, my Savior and my Lord. Help us to hear this day. Help us to rejoice this day. And help us to be anxious for nothing. In Christ's name, amen. What we're looking at here is God's use for suffering. And we looked at verses 5 and 6. That God's suffering in our lives reveals our spiritual condition. Spiritual character. It will show us what we're made of. Okay? If you look at it, anytime you see people who have to deal with a stressful situation, it doesn't take very long to understand who that person is and what their passions tend to be. Christ will bring suffering into a believer's life for purification. For purification. And it's like Job. One of the things that I look at the book of Job, I can hear heaven crying out, Do you trust me? Now, when things are going right, we say, Oh, yeah, I trust you. When things go south, that trust kind of wavers a little bit. So in 5 and 6, Remember, on behalf of such a man, this would be the man who went to heaven, I will boast. Well, yeah, if I went to heaven, guess where I just got back from? I went to heaven. But on my own behalf, I will not boast. That's an interesting statement if you think about it. 
except in regard to my weaknesses. What I am good for, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, yeah, I went to heaven. But what I am good for is my weaknesses. All right, you know what? That is so odd in our society today. Because everybody thinks that they, eh, whatever. You know, I've got it figured out. You should see what I can do. You ought to know what I can do. Did I tell you that I got an award? Did I tell you I got a reward? Did I tell you that I did? And you ain't going to believe what I did to lead people. And I, it was awesome. You could see. Oh, but it was through Christ, of course. Okay. I'm glad to know that Christ is the afterthought. Christ is the afterthought. Understand that we are moving out of chapter 10. Chapter 10, 11, 12, 13 is spiritual warfare. Why? Brothers and sisters, if you're saved, you're in it. You don't get an option to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll go into battle on Monday. No. If you're saved, you're already there. Let's move to verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Okay, the second thing that God uses suffering in a believer's heart is to make them humble. To make them humble. If you've got kids... Or when you were a kid, why were you had to be taught to say thank you? Why, why would I say thank you? Why did you have to learn that? Why do you have to teach your kids that? It's because they are so humble. Okay? That is our nature, is to be prideful. And if I say thank you, you know what that means? I received something that I didn't deserve. But in our nature, we think we deserve it. You know, I hear him talking about we have a society of people who believe they are do this. And they act like... I can't believe this. I can. Why? It's been going on since that Adam and Eve thing. We always believe that I am do this. What causes us to believe that? Pride. Right? This humility. Now, you, you can sit and say, well, that ain't me. Really? So your walk is stronger than Paul's. Because Paul fought with it. So, you know, my walk, I, I, I can handle this. I love it when people tell me that. I'm okay. I can duck. As soon as you think you've got it figured out, uh, you may want to go with your knees because you're about to. And if you're on your knees, it's a lot shorter distance to fall. That's what was happening to the Apostle Paul. Paul's greatest success was churches. Paul's great life work was churches. He was a builder of the Corinthian church. And you know what? Now that church is falling apart at the seams. 
Let me tell you something. When you pour yourself into a bunch of people and see it just collapse, how humbling is that? How humbling is that? What an experience. Put your energy and your efforts only to see it destroyed. How humbling is that? But you know what? As a humbling experience as that is, understand, Paul needed it. Really? Oh, absolutely. Can you let pride fester? Because see, if pride starts growing, when is its appetite stopped? If you let a little pride go, just a little bit. You know, the, the other night I preached, I think it was Thursday night or something like that. As Stephanie and I have made comment about this. We come in on early on Sunday nights and we have a Spanish speaking church here. And uh, every once in a while you hear somebody doing their Spanish thing. You don't know what they just said. And all of a sudden you hear applause. And you're like, applause. The guy's preaching and they, they applauded him. You know, Stephanie looked at me and she says, you know, I've known you for a long time. I ain't never heard anybody applaud you. <laughs> and I said, that's fine. I think Stephanie's trying to encourage me in her own way. I think it was Thursday night. No, it was Friday night. Yeah, Friday night, my the evening service. When I got done, everybody stood up and applauded. And I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> You're like, huh? Oh, I know. He got done quickly. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but it was, it was bizarre to me. I was like, uh, what, you know, and then had all these line of people wanting to speak to me, but I, when I, you know, I was on my way back to the house after the service, and I was like, you know, Terry, nothing personal. That was weird. I, you know, but I hear these people, remember, you know what I'm talking about, Steph? Remember them? They would clap, and you sit there and go, they're applauding the message? I, you know, I, I've heard them applaud music when the musician, oh, that was great. Okay? I've never heard anybody applaud a sermon. And, and I always thought that was weird. I thought, well, maybe that's the Spanish speaking something I don't know, understand. And then I had him applaud me on Friday night. And you're like, well, oh, that's creepy. <laughs> all right. So, now listen, if you guys applaud after this, I will band you all to hell. <laughs> anyway. He says it's explicit here. Twice he makes the statement to keep me from exalting myself, to keep me from exalting myself. Why? Whenever I see something repeated, I pay attention to it. When it's repeated in the same verse, I really pay attention to it. Right? Because if something's repeating, that means you're kind of thick and lumpy and you ain't getting this. Okay? When it's repeated in the same verse, he's saying, you are stupid as a box of rocks. I'm going to repeat it. Why? Because look at what we do today with exalting ourselves. Now, we will say, Christ through me, I have fill in the blank. 
Okay? That ain't true. When people do that, you understand what they're doing. I look at Paul, and it seems like he couldn't ever deal with what the normal saints had done. Why? Think about it. Ask yourself a question. You're sitting here talking to the Apostle Paul. Paul looks at you. He smiles great big. How were you saved? Well, it was through the preaching of the gospel. It was, you know, spirit moved. I was convicted. I came to repentance. I came to salvation because of the power of the word and a spirit-filled preacher. How about you, Paul? How are you saved? Well, I was cruising down to Damascus Road, thinking about arresting some Christians, and heaven opened up, and there was Jesus, and it was this bright, shining light, and he spoke directly to me and told me I was on the wrong track. So we hung out for a minute, and then I was blinded because of the great brilliance of seeing Jesus Christ in his personage, and I was led by the hand into Damascus, where another saint named Ananias came to me, removed the things that was on my eyes, and I could then see again. All right. There you go. That's how you were saved. That's how I was not saved. Because I hear people want to brag about, you ain't going to believe what I was saved. It was awesome. Well, you know what? Anytime anybody gets saved, it's awesome. All right? Very simple, very easy. Oh, but who taught you? Whose teaching did you sit under? Well, I was listening to Apollos in Corinth. Apollos is good. He can rightly divide truth. He's a man, a diligent in dividing that truth. How about you, Paul? Who taught you? Well, I had to go three years out in the Arabian desert to be taught, tutored, one-on-one by Jesus Christ himself. So you have, what is that, a master's in theology or a doctorate? Okay. Your minister strategy. What is your minister strategy? How are you going to affect the kingdom of heaven reaching these lost people? You come up with your little plan. Paul says, well, mine, I just went to heaven and I came back. That's my strategy to preach the gospel. Okay? Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The most humble individual on the planet Earth would struggle keeping their pride away if you had those three events. If you had just one of those events, you would struggle with your pride. You are not going to believe what I did. I remember when I was getting ready to go to Israel and everybody was telling me about the amazing things that they'd seen and experienced while they were in Israel. The whole time I was in Israel, I kept waiting for an amazing spiritual thing. I'm still waiting. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. It was really cool to sit on the Sea of Galilee at sunrise and I had our our church directory and I could pray for everybody in our church by name sitting on the Sea of Galilee. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I'm like, you just don't get to do this a lot. And I thought that was pretty cool. Now, I can't say that, you know, I heard voices or a cloud came over and said, good job, anything like that. I was just sitting by the Sea of Galilee and uh, had woken up 
and the sun was just coming up over the valley, and uh, it was kind of cool. But you know what? I've been in a lot of places where the sun come up over the valley, and it was kind of cool. I mean, if you think about the Apostle Paul, he only had visits by angels on a ship to say the ship would be lost, but nobody else would be. So he had a visit from angels. He had a visit from Christ. He saw heaven. He was given the ability to write 13 letters for the New Testament that he received by direct revelation from Christ. And you know what? It just kept going. He w- it was almost like the guy was in direct contact with heaven. When heaven wanted to speak, it would open up and say, Hey, Paul, come here. Okay? Now you think about that for a while. That's enough to make the best man proud. He didn't have a red phone to heaven. Heaven just came down and talked to him. He didn't have to dial, I don't know what he dialed, 911 for heaven, is it? 777? I don't know. I mean, heaven would just say, hey, Paul. Yes? And because of all of this, to keep Paul humble, to keep Paul from exalting himself, he received a thorn in the flesh, a stake in the flesh, to keep him humble. This... uh, whole mess that you see in Corinth in the Corinthian church was to humble Paul. You ever think about that? And Corinth was a mess. I uh, remember reading that a man in the Corinthian church had his father's wife. And even the pagans didn't do that. And I sit there and go, that's just kind of on the creepy side, isn't it? And then this week I learned that someone that I knew who had falsely accused me of a lot of things, her husband died and at his death she told, got word to me I was not welcome at his memorial. And I said, all right. So I didn't go. And then I found out this week, and it's not even funny, she married his son. I read the Corinthians and you think, well, that's creepy. And then I said this. I was like, wait a minute. This is like 2015. All right. I mean, you just sit there and go, well, all right. I don't care how you slice that. That's just got a sense of weirdness to it. But I also remember this. God would allow one of Satan's demons to tear up a church for the purpose of humbling its pastor. Remember, God's ways are not our ways. Paul's humility was very important to the redemptive plan that he was preaching. God wanted him humble. If you're not being used in the body of Christ, perhaps you want to go back to this one and think about it. Am I humble? Or are you too proud to be used by God? But understand, 
It's coming. It's coming. God did what God needed to do to get it done. Even if he had to use a messenger of Satan to humble his greatest mouthpiece. For that reason, to keep Paul from exalting himself, he would bring Paul to brokenness. Meekness, humility are the highest value to a Christian. Those are the one God will use. The loud, the boisterous, the boastful, the arrogant. God has no purpose. They may sound loud. They may take up what I call a lot of space. But if you look at their fruit, you'll realize that they're not bearing eternal fruit. They're just taking up a lot of space. The Lord allowed a demon to send these false teachers to tear up the church in Corinth. To produce this betrayal against the Apostle Paul. So that Paul would not exalt himself. Do you know what I'm doing? I put my greatest effort in here, Lord. Look. It's falling apart. He even had his friends turn against him. They're turning on me, Lord. They're turning on me, Lord. Let me tell you something. That's very sorrowful. That's humbling. But you know what? That is the purpose of God. He wants His servants humble. Whether we like it or not. We bring nothing to the table. We will all say, I've been saved by grace through faith. Which means you got something you didn't deserve. And now all of a sudden you've got it. You think you're something. And yet you didn't deserve it. Charles Spurgeon said this, quote, from lectures to my students. You have two choices. You can either be humble or be humbled. Unquote. When trouble comes into our lives, that is out of our league, that it... At the end of our proverbial rope, it's a humbling thing. You'll hear it. There are no atheists in a foxhole. Why? You've just run out of options. You've just run out of options. Listen, Job, the most righteous man in the East, was humbled to ashes and sackcloth. First part of Job's life. He was building great wealth, honoring God, giving his offerings and all the rest of it, but amassing his sufficiency. And you know what? Just like that, it was gone. His wealth was gone, his possessions were gone, and his family was gone. You know what? That is unbelievable Humiliation to the point his best buds come up and says, Job, what you been up to that uh, no one else knows? It's obvious God knows and he's exposing it. Wonderful friends. 
Listen, that is why it is so hard for rich people to get saved. Why? What is their sufficiency in? Their wealth. Look at what I have done. All of that happened to Job for God to make his point. God's servant would be humble and even in that humiliation, never lose his faith. Remember what I said in verses 5 and 6. To reveal your spiritual condition. Job was truly a righteous man in the east. Why? How many people, when they go through the ringer, deny Christ? I know a family in years past, their child, I think it was the youngest, was born, oh man, incredibly deformed. And he only lived to be about... 10 or 11, something like that. And before the birth of this child, he was a leader in the church. She was a Sunday school teacher and they were involved in the church. And when the child was born, they forsook the Lord. How could he do this? And I mean, it was, uh, you'd had to know the kid. And they left the Lord. Why? We've been faithful. We've done everything God's asked us to do. We're involved in the church. I'm in leadership. You know, we teach Sunday school. We do all of these things. And see what happens. And they walked away. Why? Because we don't deserve that. God's servants would be humble. And the servant that is humble will never lose his faith. God, Job in his humility, repented in dust and ashes and a pile of ashes right where God wanted him. Why? God wanted Job to understand as he wants you and I to understand. Do not trust in your flesh. Put no confidence in your self. We are helpless. We are hopeless. And we are clinging to the mercy and grace and the power of our God. On your best day. At the end of all of your resources. But then if you look at Job, at the end of that, God opened the floodgates of heaven. And the blessings were poured out beyond what he could ever imagine. But see, Job also understood, you know what? This is God's blessing. There are too many in the body of Christ right now who believe if I do this, this, and this, God will bless it. You know what? No, He won't. It is not your effort. It is not your talents. It is not your ability. Greater blessings fell on Job than he could have ever known. But they came because God said, He is faithful. God used suffering to humble Peter. Remember, Peter, he had it all figured out. I'll go to prison. I'll even go to death. I'll never forsake you. Until the rooster crowed the third time. If God has to understand this, 
If God has to, He will even use Satan to humble us. I see people today who are chasing demons. They're foolish. Absolute foolishness. They believe that demons will respond to them. Can you give me a biblical text that says that? Well, yeah, it says that whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Has that got anything to do with demons? Ain't got nothing to do with demons. They believe that they have authority over demons. Can you tell me anywhere in the Bible that it says that a believer has authority over demons? Christ does. The apostles did. But nowhere does it say that we do. And you know what? Even if we did, why would we chase demons away that God sent? Are you smart enough to know that? Listen, many do not understand the purposes of the kingdom of heaven. You know, I watch them, I listen to them. It's a common practice in Castle Rock. We are binding demons. I just smile. They said, well, you think that's funny? And I said, only in this sense. And they said, what's that? And I was like, who keeps releasing them? Because best I can tell, we bound them all. And I want to know who keeps cutting them loose. You know what it is? Foolish pride. I remember a lady came to me one time when we were downtown. And she says, you know what? You are surrounded by angels. Like, hallelujah. And she says, you know, I can teach you how to control them. I said, well, I appreciate that. I don't need it. You don't want to control the angelic host that is around you? I said, no, I know their boss. We should look for God's purposes regardless of the suffering that we are going through. Even trials, God allows for His own. Job, Peter, Paul, even a messenger from Satan. They will bring pain. They will bring sorrow. They will bring brokenness. They did it to the Apostle Paul. Why would you be immune? Why? You need to be humble. God blesses us. While, you know, it's funny. I listen to Christians today and they pray for blessings. And what I mean by blessings, we pray for things. You know, I need a new house. I need a new job. I needed this. I need that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong. The Bible doesn't say, don't pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay? But let me tell you something. And I want you to know this. The more you are blessed, the more likely you are going to need to be humbled. Yahoo, huh? You plead for blessings. Help me. Help me. There may be a backside to that that may be painful. You look at Paul. Look at the blessings the Apostle Paul had. Beyond anything you and I could ever comprehend. 
I see people here today in this day and age, they rush into ministry pleading for success. Get ready. It's uh, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about we have a workbook in the, that I have in the office when I want to get rid of people. It's my anti-evangelistic book. And every time I give this book to somebody, they vanish. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's called Fundamentals of the Faith. I call it Foundations of the Faith. But it's just a workbook. You just go through and it's got little fill-in-the-blanks and all these other stuff. But every time I give it to somebody, poof, they're gone. Uh, a couple of you in the congregation have taken people through it for about an hour. You usually get the first, maybe the second chapter, and poof, they're gone. I look at the Apostle Paul and I think about the blessings that are in his. And I see people wanting to rush into, I will make disciples. I will do this. I will do that. And all of a sudden you realize that the people you are dealing with are lost, blind, naked, and depraved. But other than that, it should be successful. We will be blessed in these lives. I can honestly say that I believe myself, and you can argue with me, that I believe in this congregation there is no one more blessed than me. I get to spend my time hanging out in the heavenlies. But you know one of the things that I've also learned? I'm always watching for the disaster. I've been accused of being a tigger. You know what a tigger is? A tigger bounces. And you just go, ding, 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 ding. Okay. And I do. I am kind of that way. But you know why I'm that way? I see the disaster. It's everywhere. I never look for the outcome. I am not in control of the outcome. It's pretty bizarre. Because I know the disaster will come. And when the disaster comes, I always smile because I know that the relief will come. And everybody keeps saying, well, you can't live. Yeah, I can. You know what? I know that when there is blessing, there is that other side to think that, look at what I did. But you know what? I know that whatever the disaster is, it will get over and the Lord will bless. Listen, if you are in the teaching of the Word, if you are in a church that is teaching the Word, if you are in a ministry that is based on the Word, remember, the disaster will come, but He will overcome. Seek first my kingdom, not results. Seek my kingdom, and all things will be added unto you. There's lots of people who do not understand this. There's a lot of people who will question it. Why am I suffering? I am a child of God. And you know what I've learned? There are some times that I can tell them what's wrong. And there's some that I can't. 
And you know what? I get attacked that I can't answer or I won't answer. Why? Are you really going to look a person in the eye and say your pride is in the way? Really? Let me know how that works out for you. Okay? Because a person who's enveloped in pride don't think they are. Okay? And they'll even argue with you that they're not being prideful. So a person that's in pride, what I have learned, smile. Smile at them. Okay. Why? You're about to be humbled. And usually, it is a process of humbling because usually we can be embarrassed pretty quick. And it's not enough. (laughs) You think about the Apostle Paul. I have been attacked because I don't answer about their pride. You know what? You want a prayer for yourself? I'll give you one. Lord, keep me even. I don't want to boast. I want to tell anybody how good I am. I don't even want to tell people the amazing things you've done through me. Keep me even. Why? If you keep me even, Lord, then I will be used. You'll be blessed and you'll be blessed. But know this, somewhere when you are blessed in the service of the Lord, your flesh will rise up. See my success? My success is based on my submission to the Lord. Duck. Duck. See what I have done through Christ, of course. But know that a messenger from Satan is coming. All right? If the humbling doesn't come, okay, there's a bigger problem. God disciplines his children. If you've got pride and God doesn't humble you of your pride, are you his? So we expect blessings, fine. Be humble in your blessings, or you will be humbled in your blessings. I want to close with this because I've had to deal with this. I first took over the pulpit at Castle Rock Baptist Church. I thought, I'm exactly at the right place at the right time, and we should expand numerically beyond anything I can dream of. We were running about 75 to 100 people. God immediately removed most of them. And he's kept it small ever since. All right? Lose one, get one. 
lose two, get two, but it never grows. This church has never grown numerically in the 21 years I've been a senior pastor. But what I've learned is that it is a very sweet experience. Being humble is not sweet at first. One of the things that I have learned that humility is one of the most exquisite, sweet graces that God can ever give you. One, it reveals our spiritual condition. Two, it will humble us. When our best accomplishments start to fall apart and we can't do anything about it, then you'll understand that humbling is very painful. But if you read your text, God has a purpose and you will understand that His grace is sufficient. But it is only through the pain of being humbled. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that even the Apostle Paul, who I still am amazed at this man, had to deal with pride and to keep himself, to keep him from exalting himself, you would even use a messenger of Satan to torment him, to buffet him, to try him, to test him. Father, help us not to exalt ourselves. Father, there are times when we see your approval. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate those times. But Father, when you approve us, let us not boast in those things. Father, let us understand that we should be here about our Father's work. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen.